welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning and welcome to the podcast. You are stumbling upon episode 206 of the podcast. If you've been around here for a while, maybe you're not stumbling upon it, and I welcome you back. But if you're new around here, welcome. My hope is that when you tune into the podcast, you'll be encouraged and inspired by the women who share their motherhood journeys, and that you'll feel a little more empowered that you are doing a really great job as a mom. So today my guest is Emily Lex. Emily is the founder of Jones Design Company that has grown massively over the last several years. She's also an extraordinary mom, and we're going to talk about raising teenagers. We're going to talk about putting intention behind our motherhood, setting ourselves up for success, how she's had to navigate the different seasons of motherhood, and how it looks different today than it did just a few years ago. I love talking to moms that are just beyond where I am now because it gives me so much hope and perspective, and I can't wait to share Emily with you. So let's get to it. All right. I am so excited to be chatting with Emily Lex today. Hey, Emily. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Good. Where am I speaking to you from today? Um, we live in Gig Harbor, Washington. I've so never heard of Gig Harbor. Harbor. south of Seattle. Okay. Awesome. Are you from there originally? Um, from Washington State, but we just moved to Gig Harbor about a year and a half ago. Mm. And it's actually where the current HGTV Dream Home is. <gasps> so it's kind of fun that it's just right a few minutes away from us. That's amazing. That is oh. so cool. Are you sure it's not your home? I believe your home is probably nope. just as amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, I think I originally heard you on Jamie Ivey's podcast, which is one of my very favorites. I'm an avid podcast listener, and I just loved your approachability, your positivity, and just your ability to pursue your dreams even while having a family and all the things. So we just give a little background on yourself. And your husband was a firefighter, right? Um, so he worked as a firefighter for about 12 years. And during that time, I started my own company. I was doing custom stationery. So I would make like hand put together Christmas cards. You know, when back in the days when it was like lots of layers and vellum and ribbons and, yes. and all of that. So that's what kind of Jones Design Company was. And then it morphed Mm, let's say maybe in like 2008, Ryan, I, let's see, I had three kids at that time. And um, Ryan was like, you should write a blog. You're a good writer. It's, it's like this new thing. So I had no idea what a blog was. Hmm. And I read a few and thought, oh, this sounds fun. I could do this. So I started a blog and called it Jones Design Company. And there was really no intention at all around it. It just was like, oh, this looks fun. I should do this. Really? Um, a few, like maybe a year into it, it had kind of gained a little bit of traction. It was, I mean, it was a different time in blogging. It was, it was when there were a lot of link parties and there were a lot of, like the pictures were terrible and it was just me <laughs> kind of sharing my life and what was going on. Um, and it started to cost us money. So for some reason we had things set up wrong where because we had a certain amount of visitors, we were, char we were paying for it. Mm. So I remember at one point Ryan came to me and was like, okay, this is costing us $500 a month. So either you need to do something to make money back from it, or you need to stop doing this because this is a really expensive hobby. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so at that point it just became this like, oh, okay, what, 
what can we do to maybe make a little bit of money from this? So I started designing some art prints and selling those. And um, Ryan's background is in online marketing or business marketing is his degree, but he is a studier of online marketing. So it was just this kind of natural partnership that happened where he would see what was going on in kind of the male dominated online marketing world and say, okay, how could you put some of that into your like female market? Um, and so we did. So wow, kept growing and we kept just trying new things. And really probably when I started taking it the most seriously was when my daughter was born. So I have four kids, three boys and then a girl. And so when Audrey was born, let's see, she was born in 2010. So right around then is when it really started to kind of grow. And I took it a little more seriously. Yeah. So we've just, we just keep going. That's amazing. <laughs> and what's interesting is that of course it would ramp up once you have even more on your plate, right? It couldn't, Four you know, when you had no kids or yes, isn't that <laughs> funny when in life. And I think a lot of moms put their dreams on hold and, and are afraid to ramp up or, or mm-hmm. do the next step because they feel like there's already too much going on. Did you ever feel that pressure of of moving forward when there was momentum simply because you already had a lot on your plate? Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Just, I mean, don't we all? But I also think that because I didn't have like a big goal or a big dream, I really did not go into this with like, here's my plan and here's how I'm going to get there. Mm. It just was like day by day, new things and new opportunities and let's try this. And and so it never felt like, oh, this is a massive goal and how am I going to get there with these four kids? Oh. It was, it really was just a hobby that I love doing. And what I said during those early times, and I think I probably even said it um, on Jamie's podcast, but when I started... Started, I needed a I needed I loved going into my office and closing the door and being like this is Emily this is where I get to just be Emily I'm not I have there's no demands on me from my kids or my husband or anyone else I just get to be me and I think that was so healthy for me in that time when it's just you know so constant with the babies which I loved and and of course we love our kids but it's so good to have a little place to just kind of be you yeah. <laughs> from that. So Absolutely. that's what was so great for me. So yes, there was pressure, but it mostly was just a really positive thing for me to have something. That's awesome. I was talking to somebody the other day who said, you know, the payout from raising your kids really comes 18, 20, 25 years down the road when you see them becoming happy humans, contributing members of society. And the pay, the daily payouts are, you know, a little fewer in between, you know, in between the sure. the sweeping and the dirty diapers and whatnot. She's mm-hmm. like, and so I love having something on the side where you get kind of that instant gratification and the checked off to-do lists and things like that that stay done yeah. that's for, for you because you're still getting that while still pouring into the long, long-term goal, which is your family. And I never really thought of it like that, but it sounds like you feel yeah. similarly. For sure. Yep. Mm. And I just, I got to stay home with the kids, but yet I was still doing something creative for leave for me and also supplementing our income. So it really was, it was a really good mix for us. And yeah. Yeah. And so what would you tell somebody that's feeling kind of, I don't know, hemmed in by their current circumstances, but they have this itching, burning dream and they're Mm -hmm. not sure what to do. What do you tell people who ask you that? Um, I think it's just a matter of taking the first step towards that. And Mm. it is a sacrifice. So during nap times, maybe when the kids were really little, I was, I was in my office working, not laying on the couch, which I probably wanted to do. So yeah, there's a little (laughs) bit of give and take. And there's, there were times where I felt like 
am I being the very best mother that I ever want to be in my life? Well, no, because I wasn't sitting doing a puzzle on the floor with my kids. They were doing that while I was on my laptop. And so there's a little bit of this sacrifice, Mm -hmm. but it felt like over the long term, I was still loving my kids and I was still helping our family with income, but also being creative in myself. And so I think it's really just letting go of a little bit of the expectations that you have on yourself as who you want to be as a mom and maybe letting go some of the expectations of like how fast you want to achieve your goals and finding that middle ground of, of what works for you in this season. Sure. And, and how was it staying focused on what you knew was right for your family versus Mm -hmm. maybe what you thought other people might think of your decision to, you know, pursue your own business or maybe even what they told you, you know, was anybody skeptical or critical of those decisions? Um, no, no, not really. I think because people just saw me doing something that was so life giving to me. Mm. And so I think that made them, you know, my sisters or my mom or my, my girlfriends, which none of them are bloggers and none of them really care that much about what I do, but I think they all saw that it impacted other people and they just saw it being a really positive thing in my life. And so I feel like everyone was really supportive. That's so nice. That is, that's awesome. I love that. That's the best. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's go back. Let's go back to early motherhood for you when you just had one little baby at home. What was that like for you? Was it what you envisioned and kind of what were the best and hardest parts I loved it. I th- I think my goal in life was to be a mom. And mm. so so I just always felt pretty ready for it. And it was a really sweet time. So Ryan, when he was hired as a firefighter, Ethan, our oldest, was just like a month old. So as a firefighter, you go through a couple months of academy, which is really like intense training. And so it felt like just this really sweet time of just me and my little buddy, just, mm. <laughs> just bonding and you know, with the stress of what Ryan was going through, I had this little guy that, um, I, I, it was wonderful. And then let's see, our second one came along. They were, they're 19 months apart. So that was really quick. I felt like I still had a baby when I found out I was pregnant again. Sure. <laughs> uh, and then our third one was just two years later. So we really just kind of boom, boom, boom. bounced those kids right out. <laughs> That sounds disgusting, but you know, what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't quite that easy. But this is the first uh, explicitly rated episode on the Extraordinary know, Moms sorry. podcast. <laughs> Just no, but we, I mean, we had yeah. those three little boys. Wow. pretty quickly, and then Audrey came along two years later. So four kids and. Ethan had just turned six when Audrey was born. So we had a Mm -hmm. six, a four and a two year old and a newborn. So it was, it was a lot of kids really fast. Um, but it was just right for our family. And sure. I mean, it was exhausting. I can't, I look back on that time. Audrey's now almost eight. So it feels like it was forever ago. I know. Um, I look back and I think, oh my gosh, there was, there was so much crying during that phase of my life. There from everybody. So tears. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily from me, but just with four kids, they're just, yeah. there was someone crying all the time. And that is draining. Right. And, now we're in a phase where that's not the case anymore and there's not as much fighting anymore and there's not whining anymore. So I know I was really exhausted in that time, but mostly I just think of it as a really sweet time. Right. Yeah. And I think we often think fondly upon the seasons past and when we're in the thick of it, we want to fast forward. Did you ever feel like those fast forward button moments in the thick of the crying and the tears and everything? And how did you kind of get through that season when, yeah, that's tough. Four littles all together. That's, that's a lot. I, for sure. I mean, we all kind of 
need that moment of admitting like, oh, this is really hard and I don't know that I love this. Uh I think it really helped during that with when I had really little ones that I was, I had a really good community of girlfriends who also had little ones. And so having someone else to hang out with during the day or go to library story time or whatever it was Mm -hmm. and share kind of the burden of doing toddlers and you see your girlfriend's kids throwing a fit at the park and you're like, Oh, normal. It's okay. (laughs) So, you know, I think having a community around you is so important. Yeah. And that, um, that, I think that got me through a little bit too of getting yeah. through the gr- the daily grind of just every day, knowing yeah. that there was someone else who was also going through it with me. Totally. It totally helps to have people who really get what you're going through. And mm-hmm. even, like, your husband doesn't always necessarily get the 24-7 nature of motherhood. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just – it feels a little bit different. Like, moms yeah. are on and they wake up in the middle of the night thinking they hear, you know, oh. a child stirring. <laughs> and it's like – I just want to get through the night, right? And so how have you been able to find your people? I hear a lot from moms that struggle to find connection with other moms, maybe because they feel like strapped to nap time and they're not leaving their home very much, or they feel like it's too much to take their kids out. And so then they're kind of holding themselves up and they're not developing that community. How did you find your people? Uh, Well, I'm not really a hole up and make sure my kid has a nap on the perfect hour. So it helped to be flexible. I mean, I think by the time you've got three or four kids, those third and fourth kids, they do not get a consistent nap. True. I was okay with it. They Mm -hmm. they did okay. Um, We lived in a community with just a lot of other young people. So that worked out really well for us to be in a neighborhood where there were a lot of friends and we could go to the neighborhood park. Um, I think choosing activities where you know other moms are going to be and just having to put yourself out there. I remember we moved um, into our neighborhood when, let's see, we had two. So Ethan was two and Brady was like almost one. And I remember meeting a gal at church and she was like, hi, I'm Jen. I don't have any friends. Do you want to be my friend? Let's hang out. And I'm like, oh, that is so brave of her. Totally. And yes, I also need friends. I'm new here. I don't. So I think sometimes it just means stepping out and being brave and saying, Hey, your kids look about my kids age. Let's get lunch or let's go meet at the park. And, and that takes some bravery, but right. It, but there's other people out there who also want friends. <laughs> so. Yes. And if you can be that person for somebody else, you never yes. know like what an answer to prayer that you can be. Yes, you might be in need of some friends, but kind yes. of flipping it on its head and, and thinking, well, what can I give in a friendship? What can I oh, contribute sure. to the quiet mom at the park that looks a little more reserved or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and contributing well, and it's so way. nice to be able to hide behind the mask of your kids mm. and saying, let's get our kids together. Yes. Because yes. rather than just, I mean, it's a little awkward to say, hey, I've never met you before. Let's get coffee and talk about real things. Yes. But when you can say, let's get together and go to the park your kids are playing and you talk about your kids and that kind of segues into a real relationship. So, you know, it's great to have kids to, to kind of get, get into some friendships. Yeah. You automatically have that common ground, whether you're working moms or stay at home moms or, you know, those types of life experiences might, might differ, but when you have kids close in close in age, and even don't underestimate the power of having people a season older than you or a little bit younger than you too, because you know you can you can be such a guide and a light to people that are in the trenches of toddlerhood. And here you are, Emily. You've you've risen. Your kids are in full time school. You made it. And then people just beyond you who've done the teenage years already, and they're like, you can do this. Like this is important work that you're doing, and guiding you yeah. through that. I think it's really important to have moms in all seasons. 
so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so as you've done the toddler years and now you're approaching the teenage years, bum, bum, Mm -hmm. bum, which I think totally get a bad rap for a silly reason. I know. I mean, yes, there's there's more weighty consequences and, and serious talks and things that some parents might feel uncomfortable with. But I mean, really think about like these are the fruits of your labor coming to fruition, seeing your kids become who they're meant to be. Like, I can't think of anything greater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. It's really sweet. So our oldest um, will be 14 yeah. in just a couple weeks. And it, it is really fun to see him take on his – I mean, he always had his own personality. Like, we knew – you know when you've got a 4-year-old or a 5-year-old or uh, – you know, they always have their own personality. But it feels like something kind of shifts, and it's like – suddenly he's really a young man Mm, (laughs) and and thinking through more difficult things and talking about, I mean, plenty of dumb things because a 13 year old boy talks about dumb things, (laughs) but but also talks about important and serious things. And so it's fun to, and it is less about keeping them safe and more about developing their character. So it feels a little weightier Mm. and and these are probably the years that he'll remember. So someday he'll like go to a counselor and say, my parents messed me up during this time of life. So it feels a little like, Oh, I hope that we're doing a good job. And, and yet at the same time, we see that he's such a wonderful kid and we think, you know, some of it is our doing. Most of it is God's doing. And Mm -hmm. we just get to partner in that. And that feels really, um, that's a big responsibility and yet like a really big honor and, and really fun for us to, to be able to raise a kid and, and watch him make really good choices and some bad ones and then figure out how to learn through them. And, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's new for us. We're not really sure exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I definitely, doing our best. yeah. And I definitely think that part of the victory comes from when our kids do make mistakes, mm-hmm. seeing them implement those tools that we've strived to give them their whole entire life of problem solving and repentance and all that. And seeing them actualize that instead of yeah. continuing down the path. Like mistakes are going to happen. We still make them and, you know, we're always still learning. And thank goodness there is the repentance process to come come back. Um, But as parents, we want to coddle them. But that's an important component to being a grown-up, right? Go ahead. Well, and it's interesting to see now some of the things that I might struggle internally and watch that happen in my kid. And so for him to be, like for Ethan especially, he's just a really good kid. He makes really good choices, and everyone knows he's very kind. And and so I see that sometimes in him, and I think, oh, man, I want him – I want him to understand grace and it's really hard to understand grace when you feel like you can do everything pretty well on your own. Mm -hmm. And so watching that even, um, because that's something that I feel inside of me too, that I, I want so much for him to understand what it looks like to mess up and be okay and know that, that it's not, you're not going to go through life being perfect. And I don't want you to have that kind of false doctrine anyway. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that I think now we're thinking through, um, and it feels, yeah, I mean, it feels weighty, but it also feels really important. It's important work. So <laughs> It is. It is. And as you, and I think far more than even, you know, the, the words that we speak to our kids about these topics, it is what we model to them, you know, as you go through your struggles in your own life and as you're modeling how to, you know, come back from making a mistake and apologize and how to, you know, constantly want to improve yourself. As our kids are watching us do that, that is ultimately going to be the biggest teacher to them. Have you seen that in your life? Yeah, I'm sure. Well, and, and a huge part of that, which I think is a little bit weird as a parent, is being 
open with what you are struggling with or being able to admit when, you know, admit when you make a mistake in front of your kid, but also just like the other day, um, one of them was talking about an insecurity that they had. And it was, it was one of those times where it's like, I could dismiss it and be like, Oh, you're wonderful. You don't need to feel insecure about that. But instead, I think that what a, a child needs from their parent is a little bit more of like, I understand. I have the same, I have similar insecurities. Here's one of mine. Here's kind of how I went through it. My son, Ethan, he loves when I share like what I went through in middle school or mm-hmm. we're talking, you know, we're talking about dating and mm-hmm. who I liked and is it okay to like someone else? And what if, you know, just right, like the, right. that 13 year old boys are now thinking about, and he doesn't really want me just to give him wisdom. He wants me to give him my own stories. And that means I have to be a little bit vulnerable with him. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Emily. Isn't she just delightful? I'm loving chatting. But I wanted to thank one of our show sponsors and that is RX Bar. RX Bar Kids specifically is what I am loving lately. Of course they have the adult bars that are full of clean products that are something that you can feel good about eating. If you're on the go looking for a mid-afternoon pick-me-up snack, my husband absolutely loves the chocolate chip one. But for my kids, this has been a game changer. So if you haven't already tried it with your kids, this is what I want to talk about with you today. So RX Bar Kids is a clean label snack bar made with high quality, real ingredients just for kids. All the ingredients are literally listed on the front of the package. So you can feel good about feeding your kids egg whites, fruit, and nuts as the base. And they all have seven grams of protein. When we're on the go, when we're at church, when I'm thinking of what is a snack that's gonna hold up, but that's not just prepackaged junk, I hand them an RX bar for kids and they are happy campers. My little Jackson sees the green package apple cinnamon RX bar for kids and he's like, open it mama. I feel so good about handing that to him because I know he's getting so many nutrients in that bar. It's not just a junky granola bar. This is something I can feel great about. So I want to thank RX Bar for sponsoring today's show. If you go to rxbar.com EMP and then enter the promo code EMP at checkout, they're going to give you 25% off. You can also buy these at Target if you're in a pinch, but if you go to rxbar.com EMP with the promo code EMP, you can get 25% off. And who doesn't like to save a little money? on our kids' snacks. So thanks, RX Bar, for sponsoring this show. Now let's go back to my conversation with Emily Lex. Sometimes I feel like, yeah, I'm just trying to like shut down the bad behavior instead of teaching the good mm-hmm. one, <laughs> right? And modeling the good one. And even this Which morning- Which is what you have to do mm-hmm. when they're toddlers. Like that's that's okay. That's the season of parenting. That's yes. good. <laughs> yeah. And even with my five-year-old this morning, I- kind of snapped at him instead of having empathy in a situation where he's been picking these boo-boos on his face and there's like six of them and he just keeps making them worse and worse and worse and they've been there like a month a month and I'm just thinking you're gonna have scars on your face you don't want to be like that like but then I'm like putting this shame on him and like I love Brene Brown so much and she always talks about like shame works but shame will mess you up right and 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 if that's the motivator if that's the reason you're trying to get kids not to do something ultimately they'll be in therapy, you know? Right. And, and so then I was thinking like, how can, how should I have explained things to him? And so I said, right before school, I looked him in the eyes and I said, I love your face. I love you. And instead of yelling at you, I should have hugged you. I'm really, really sorry. And next time I feel upset, I'm going to hug you and I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking instead of telling you what I want you to do. Oh gosh, that's so hard. It is hard. But that's so hard in the moment. It is. It It is. And it took me, you know, half an hour to come to that. But 
Yeah. Like, I feel in such a better place with him. And he knew, you know, why this is important to me. It's not about the boo-boo, you know? Like, it's it's about more than that. And and hopefully now next time he wants to snap, he's not going to jump to yelling. Because I can't expect any better behavior for my kids than I'd have. Right. You know? Yeah. My second son is a little bit more of a, um, he'll push your buttons a little Mm -hmm, bit. And mm -hmm. and if you tell him not to do something, he's just naturally inclined. He's very (laughs) impulsive. So he'll just want to do that. Uh And so I've had to realize with him that I can say, um, I don't know what's an example. Maybe when he was little, like you, you can jump off of the furniture, but I just want you to know, like, that's an option. Yes, right. you can yes. do that. But here's your options. You can either jump off the furniture and get a consequence, or you can not jump off the furniture, and you and, and that would be a better choice for you. So for him, if I said don't jump off the furniture, he's going to do it in a heartbeat. But if I say you can, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just going to have some consequences for it. Suddenly that, like, clicks in his head a little bit more. Yes. So isn't, I mean, every kid, you have to just figure them out, don't you? Like, right. Four yeah. of them. I've had to figure out four of them, and I'm still working on it. And they're all <laughs> so different. And then they enter a new season, and it's, like, a whole new child. And I'm yes. sure you've seen it more than yeah. I have. I mean, my oldest is just turning eight next month. So mm-hmm. you're you're a little he- ahead of yeah. me in that. And, and yeah. I have three boys. Um, just like you. So so I am curious. When you just had the three boys, did you yeah. get – are you going for the girl all the time? Oh, my gosh. I know. It <laughs> what was, a trick people. So mean. Well, it mostly happened after Audrey was born. And so oh. I would have the three boys with me and then this little baby wearing a headband always because right. uh-huh. that was my thing right. um, in the car seat. And everyone would be like, oh, you finally got you your finally girl. You finally got your girl. And it was just like – Yes, I did, and I'm so grateful to have a girl, and it is a really special bond sure. between me and my daughter, but that doesn't dismiss the fact that I really loved my three boys, and I wasn't just like, keep trying for the girl. Totally. So, I don't know. When we were, we had the three in a row, I wanted four girls. Okay. When I, like, that was my kind of dream family. So then uh-huh. we had the first boy. It was like, this is good. Second boy, okay, we can do this. Third boy, and Whoa. I was in tears. <laughs> it was devastating. I, we found out before he was born. Uh-huh. So once he was born, I was like, I... Yeah. Okay. I love you. Yeah. (laughs) So then when we were pregnant with number four, we thought, you know what? We're already doing boys. Let's just, hopefully it's another boy. And then of course it was a girl. Yes. It was, I mean, it was great, but yeah, the poor boys, they just, they they get a bad rap. Like (laughs) they're less, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. I love my boys. It's fun being a boy mom and it's fun having the same gender in a row so they can interact and play together and you know, Will I, you have another or are you done? No, I think I'm done. I've, I, I've kind of been on the fence, but I'm just mm-hmm. – I've really got gotten the impression like pour into what you have. Like yeah. I have these three little boys that need all of me, and I feel like I'd be stretched a little thin for, for me with another. So I think I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. And but that's, I'm def- that's good. They'll be – I have two sisters, so I'm the middle of three girls. Yeah. And, you know, of course, growing up there were some of that sibling – tension but now they are just my best friends so that's the great thing about I love that those three boys they'll be best friends when they get older it's super fun oh yeah and I think every family dynamic is just the way it's supposed to be so yeah it just it is what it is so Emily what are you most intentional about whether it's teaching your kids or implementing in your home like where do you really put your focus um, when you think about motherhood like what's really important to you Hmm. That's a great question. What is the most important? Um, I think being kind mm-hmm. is really important to me. <laughs> That's something that we say a lot. Yeah. And 
we want our kids to be able to make good choices on their own. And so I think we're always talking about making choices. Mm -hmm. But I think that my one of my biggest things, at least lately, this is the kick that I'm on, is feeling our feelings and being able to acknowledge what we're feeling. And so as the kids get older, and I think this is true for when they're little also, being able to let them express how they feel and then measure that against the truth. Mm. Is that is that the truth of how you should be feeling? So for my son the other day talking about how he was feeling insecure, like I want him to be able to feel that feeling because that, mm. that is true and right in his life. But then at the same time, after you feel that feeling, now is that actually the truth or is that just how you're feeling and you're going to believe that and it's going to change how you feel about yourself? So like the emotional health of my kids mm. feels really important to me right now. Um, just wanting them to be able to know who they are and understand their identity and feel their emotions and then be able to express them and make choices that are positive. I don't know. That sounds really lofty. No, that is, that <laughs> is so that. huge. And I've been thinking about the same thing for myself and being like emotionally self-reliant and realizing I can feel however I want to feel. Then the other component to that is nobody can make me feel any way. Like we may have gut reaction feelings, but like we always get to choose our thoughts and our and then the feelings that come from those thoughts. We always get to choose. And if we want to be mad, we can be mad. But how long do you want to be mad? What are you going to do with that anger? Exactly. Is there something else you can do with it that's more constructive? You know, and of course the kids have to protect themselves and, and we all do. But it's real. I think people think that they're at the mercy of other people way more than they need to be in this life. Well, and we all, I think, deal with emotion differently. My mm-hmm. third son is just a, he's a, he's locked and closed in when he's not feeling happy in life. And mm. so my goal for, you know, it looks different for all of the kids. So for Ethan, he might be a little bit more expressive and Brady is definitely more expressive. And then Mason is way more like closed in. And so my goal with him is to help him even let that emotion out because that's not his natural inclination. But I know that that's a healthier thing for all of us. Like my tendency too, is just to kind of like push it away. It doesn't feel good. I don't want to feel it, but then it just kind of festers in there and eventually it will come out. So, you know, I I think, I think we have to look at each of our kids individually and, Mm -hmm. and allow them to feel what they're feeling, but help them understand the value in that too. Cause it's easier to not, (laughs) and we just go through life just, kind of going through life without awareness maybe aware yeah awareness and of our identity and what we're actually feeling I don't know I I just think there's such value in it well and imagine practicing that from the time you're five six seven eight years old and you have all these years left to operate on that wavelength yes like yes what a gift right even if you don't to not have to be 40 right (laughs) and still struggling I still feel like these are things that I'm still working through I wish that I wasn't I wish I had this figured out I know I have a boundaries book on my nightstand right now and it's like (laughs) how am I in my mid-30s and I have not figured this out yet and I don't know I mean I'm sure our kids I hope that they will be a little further along than us but I think it's a pretty normal developmental thing even in our 30s and 40s and I mean and even you and I like we're no worse for wear like yes there's things we're working on and working through and things but like really like we're we're fine we're doing okay and there's just and that's just what life is for it's for that that improvement and that that growth which is really exciting I think and we get to be the guide as the parents 
to see that stuff because mm. we have a little bit more life experience. We get to be the guide yeah. to say, okay, here's where I think you might be better off than I am if I help you with in this area. And, and that's, I don't know, that's like a new phase of parenting that I don't think I thought of when the kids were a lot younger. Sure. It was more like, let's make sure they're not putting their finger in a light socket or make sure they get enough sleep. <laughs> and and yeah. now we get to kind of grow them into, yeah, into kind and responsible and fun to be around people. Yeah. It's exciting. It's, yeah. it's joy. It's a joy. <laughs> so what is, I heard Oprah ask this question to a guest and I just love it because I want to be like Oprah, obviously. Yeah, Who doesn't? Um, <laughs> she, she asked her guests, what is the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? And I want to apply it to motherhood for you. What is the thing that has continued to be kind of the pain point and the struggle in motherhood for you? Um, I think motherhood is just the most selfless act. And that is my hardest struggle. Mm. It means you have to be selfless. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's in all different seasons. It looks differently. Um, right now, my kids stay up so much later than they ever used to. And I am done. I've always said like eight o'clock and I am done being a mom. Yes. I have to, like, be in my own world. And now the kids are up till nine, nine thirty. And not only are they up, but they want to talk. And that's when if, if you've got a boy who you have to sit and let them talk about all the dumb things until finally they'll get to the heart of the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been wisdom that people who, who are further along in their journey have said to me, like, Emily, if your kids want to talk, you wake up, okay. you wake up and you listen to them. And that is really hard for me because I have other things that I want to do. Or And so it's, that's my, that's my own thing right now of my selfishness, but it was certainly there two years ago, four years ago, eight years ago. It's that's just kind of always the struggle. I have yes. my own things that I want to do, and these little creatures keep sabotaging me. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just get the yeah. kitchen clean, and then they come in and they eat more. <laughs> I know, I know, or I'm not that hungry at dinner, and then it's 7:30 p.m. when you know bedtime's yeah, wrapping up, and it's like suddenly you're starving. <laughs> Interesting how yeah, that works. I know. Interesting. Oh, I know. So it's just, yeah. I mean, it's hard to not have my own agenda all the time, and to make them feel like. Um, like their blessings in my life rather than a real, a real burden, (laughs) which is so mean. I mean, because I love them and adore them, but sometimes I think I make them feel like they're really more of a nuisance in my life than they are really valued. And that makes me really sad that they would feel that way. (laughs) Well, and what if anybody in our life was making us feel that way? Because I feel the same exact way. And I'm sure a lot of people listening can identify with that where it's like, you know, they're always asking for another cup of water. Like, they just expect a lot from us and their needs uh-huh. are on us. And when you have multiple children, it's a lot of needs multiplied on one person. All the time, yeah. <laughs> and so what if your husband made you feel like every request was annoying to him? Yeah. Like that would not be a good marriage. And so yeah. the same thing goes with our relationship with our kids. Like we need to be very careful about that they know the way we feel about them through the way we treat them. And it needs right. to be, you know, we all slip up. But like what's the consistent – yeah, feeling we give that them, I and I can be better in that. Know when they come through the door, that their mom is really excited that they're home. Yes. And I think sometimes I go, "Oh shoot, I wish they were still at school because it was so quiet and clean in the house." I know. And I, don't, I really don't want them to feel like that. So that's just something that yeah. I'm working in my own life of figuring out how do I maintain a clean, nice house, right? While also making my kids feel like they are so much more valuable to me than a clean, nice house. So have you found any like action, actionable t- 
tips for that? <laughs> um, for having a clean, nice house with a lot of children. Well, or 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 yeah, or just make <laughs> because it because I don't know about that. I'm so yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I love the meme where it's like having kids around is like brushing your teeth with Oreos in your mouth, like <laughs> just. <laughs> It's never right. going to happen. It's not going to work very well. But how have you been able to make them more of a priority? Like when they walk through the door after school and you are just like 15, 20 minutes away from wrapping up those emails and your right. your tendency is to want to ignore them for that time, but you know you want to welcome them. Like how do you set those boundaries? I, I mean, I think so much of it is perspective. Mm-hmm. I had a little um, note card sitting on my in my desk um, a few years ago that said my children are a blessing, which is like, duh, of course they're a blessing. But in that time of my life, I wasn't thinking of them as a blessing. I was thinking of them as just like a nuisance. Mm. And so it's just like reminding yourself regularly. Okay. What I want is to be awake when my kid, not even like awake with my eyes open, but just mentally, I want to wake up Mm -hmm. when they want to talk. So I know that that's a goal in me and I'm just going to have to fight my like selfish tendency. So I think it's just setting those, um, making yourself aware of what you, of who you want to be as a mom. Mm -hmm. So I know I want to be available when they want to talk. I know I want them to, you know, when I've got headphones in cooking dinner, um, and I just want to listen to my podcast, but they're there and they want to talk to me or they have a question on their homework. What's more important to me is them. So even though I want to listen to my podcast, I know I've already established that what I care more about is Hmm. my kids. And then also, this is totally contrary to what I just said. Sometimes your kids need to know that you have other things Mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, I'm sorry, kids, I'm listening to a podcast right now. Ask dad about your homework or ask your brother to help you with that. Or I'll get to you in just a minute. And, and so I, I also want my kids to know that they are super important to me, but I also have a life Mm. and I also have my own needs and and sometimes I just want to sit on the couch and read my own book I don't want to read their book and that's okay Yes. Really mean. No, I, I totally agree because when you're doing, when you have both parts, you know, if that were the entire theme of the home, like that's one thing. Or if, or if it's the other extreme where you're, you know, at their every whim and they can't be independent and you know, they are not self-sufficient because you're enabling, that's not healthy either. So I think it's having, I think it's having both. I think it's Mm -hmm. having both and we shouldn't feel guilty about, you know, either side of that. Yes. Yeah. I think that's really, really smart. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it goes into the conversation about balance, which there is no such thing, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's just being sensitive to the season that you're in and the very moment that you're in and being aware, um, which I think is, is so hard for a mom because there's 4,000 things going through your mind. But if you, if you just keep like your priorities, um, if, if a priority is that your kids will feel like you are smiling when they get home from school, then prepare yourself for that. Right. (laughs) It's going to happen every day. Right. I love that. Yeah. And like, what can you physically do or what's the habit that you can develop in order to achieve that, that goal? Maybe it's just having on that permagrin, like with your arms wide open (laughs) and they can expect that every day. I like that. I like that. And it could be different for everybody, but that's a great idea. I love that. And so Jones Design Company, your baby, your first baby has really (laughs) evolved over the years. So tell me specifically, like, what does your company do now and what do you love about this job for you? Mm -hmm. Um, It has evolved. Well, Ryan has retired from firefighting. So two years ago, he Mm -hmm. left his firefighting career. So this is our full-time thing. This is what supports our family. So, I mean, the biggest change is just that there's 
there's way more like intentionality about it and a lot more pressure yeah. <laughs> to make sure that we're, that we're doing this. But, um, but it's a very cool opportunity to work from home with my husband on, on things that I really like. So we do a blog. I also teach some online classes and we have a monthly membership where, um, I design a bunch, like a monthly set of printable um, organizational items, and so you can get those monthly. So we have a couple of different like business entities that have sprung off of Jones Design Company, but I will probably always and forever say that my very best, my very favorite part of all of it is just blogging mm. and connecting with other women. And I think that what I really love doing is maybe putting myself out there in a a lot of a lot of my posts are just about like how we're decorating our house, so there's not a lot of like depth to it. But every once in a while, I love just sharing a little bit more about what's going on in my life. And by being open and vulnerable, I feel like it gives other people the opportunity to kind of be open and vulnerable in their own lives, whether it's with me or whether it's with the other people around them. Like I just want to encourage everyone um, in their own lives to like mm. to be who they are and to find the things that they love doing. And to also feel their feelings, yeah. <laughs> like my theme right now. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I think it just takes the first person being vulnerable. So for me, if that means being vulnerable online to whoever wants to read it, yeah. Um, I feel like that's worth it to me. So I love that. I mm-hmm. I love just connecting with other women. Oh, that's so awesome. And I think when you are so passionate about what you're doing and what you're sharing. You know, the goal is not to inspire the masses. The goal is to be yourself and then people who it resonates with will be inspired. And I think that's like a beautiful synergy between, you know, contributing to the world. And I think we can yeah. all do that in whatever space we're in, whether it's, you know, impacting your neighborhood or impacting the, an online community. That doesn't really matter, you know, but I think we get a lot of, I don't know, just just a lot of not validation because that's not the goal, but just, I don't know. It just feels good to, to be able to contribute to the world in a positive way. And you're really doing that. I just love that so much. Thank you. Well, I mean, the, the temptation is, it's such a weird thing being online because Mm -hmm. as much as I love being online, I also so think it's important to have real life people in your life. And so I love being someone's online friend and I, people tell me all the time and you feel like we would be friends in real life which I totally get because there right. are bloggers that I read that I feel like we would be friends in real life. Yeah. So I'm not weirded out by that comment. Um, and I, I feel like it's a place of honor. I love that. Sure. But I also, at the same time, think, I I hope that the I hope that women who are reading the blog also have real life people because yeah. I can't bring their kids, you know, Pedialyte when they're sick. Yeah. <laughs> the way that I can with my real life friends. So, Absolutely. What would people be surprised to know about you then? If you are pretty open online. Um, I think that I am who I think I'm much like goofier and sillier <laughs> in real life than I come across online. You seem very composed and like oh, yeah. professional. I, mean, online, and I, huh? I think there is some of that. Like I do, yeah. I am deep and I do like a really nice, clean, pretty space, but I think my real life friends know that I really love to laugh and I'm pretty goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love little kids. And so I'm, you know, I'm usually trying to like make the kid like me. So <laughs> whatever it takes. And, that, and sometimes that just doesn't come across, which is why I do love doing um, some video stuff uh-huh. because I just think it gives people more of a picture of who I am and a chance to really relate. So yeah. I'm, I am maybe not quite as composed and curated as I might look online. 
That's interesting. Yeah, I totally get that. I think that's, I think it's good for people to know. So what is next for you, for your family? What do you have on the horizon that you're looking forward to? Mm. What is next for us? I, I feel like we don't have any like major big things coming up, which actually feels really good. That's nice. Yeah. Um, we moved a year and a half ago and that was a really big transition for us. And I think that we're just here feeling settled and feeling like we're developing friendships. And, um, so we're always kind of moving and changing as far as business goes. But I think for our family, we're just trying to really be settled and consistent and kind of gather a community around us. And it feels really nice. Um, it feels like the right place for us to be right now without a whole lot of like moving and striving and, and change. I love that. So that's, that's great. boring, but yeah. no, that's great. <laughs> and good. I think it's important for people to see, like sometimes you're in a season of growth and movement and goal mm-hmm. setting and hustling. And then sometimes you're reaping what you sowed. Here you go. Yeah. Here you are. Yeah. I love there it. So well, where, <laughs> where can people find you online if they want to find out more? They can find me, um, jonesdesigncompany.com is the longest URL in the world, but Extraordinary Moms Podcast is pretty long, too. I regret <laughs> it every day I type it. Extraordinary is not the easiest word to spell. Either. I regret it. Every, I should have asked you first. Like, in marketing, you're like, don't pick a word that's hard oh, to spell. <laughs> I know. Ryan always says, like, can we please shorten that? It is so long, but that's yeah. what it's called. Jonesdesigncompany.com is my blog, and then on Instagram, I'm at jonesdesigncompany. Um, and all of the other social media on Pinterest, and I yeah. don't really use Twitter. Yeah. But you can find me there if Perfect. you really want to. <laughs> oh, good. Well, this has been such a delightful conversation. I always ask my guests one final question, and it's this What would you tell your pre motherhood self? Um, I would tell my pre motherhood Emily that you're going to do a good job. Mm. That kind of actually makes me cry. It's okay. Yeah. I don't mean to cry, but like, it's going to be okay and trust yourself and you don't need to read a thousand books and you don't need to talk to a million people. You just do your thing. Mm. Feels good to feel like you're doing a good job, right? Uh Right. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. That made me kind of emotional. (laughs) No, I get it. I get it. And a lot of times moms don't really have an opportunity to be asked questions like this or take the time really because you're just, you're just going, you're just doing your life and you're not even realizing the impact that you're making, how far you've come, how much you've learned, how awesome and extraordinary you truly are. Motherhood is not about perfection. You're not on here because you're the perfect mom. You're on here. Wait, what? I thought I was. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> edit, edit, edit. <laughs> you know, and I think people think you have to, you can only feel good when you've had a flawless day. Yeah. And that is certainly or that we not true. we want to beat ourselves up for mm. it. But no, gosh, yeah. I mean, Emily parenting a uh, my firstborn was doing the best that I could mm. and Emily today parenting is doing the best that I can. So I, I don't it. think that we need to, I don't want to shame myself in saying like, Oh, you should have done better. I just was doing the best that I could. And I think I was doing a pretty good job. Of course I could do things better. Right. And you but will gosh, do we things need better. To be so kind to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You do the best you can with what you know at that yeah. time. And, and that's enough. I think, yeah, yeah we're always equipped with, with enough for the season that yeah. we're in. I love it. Emily, this has been so fun. I've loved chatting with you about motherhood today. You are truly an extraordinary mom, and I just want to thank you for sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day. (laughs) All right. (laughs) 
I love that conversation with Emily so much. I love when she talked about teaching her kids to feel their feelings and acknowledge their feelings and have power over that. That's something we're working on in our home too and even in my own life. So that's been really powerful and maybe something that you needed to hear today. You can follow me on Instagram at jessicadalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. You can go over to the website to see pictures of Emily's beautiful family, links on how to find her at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today to today's show. I have a book club episode coming up for you this Friday. It's with my guest, Kristen Kill, and she wrote her first book, Finding Sela. And it is a book about the hustle and bustle of life and how she got caught up in the whirlwind and she thought, no more. My soul needs to rest. And that is exactly what she implemented in her whole life. So we talk about finding that rest. We talk about postpartum depression for her and how she got out of that season of her life by implementing periods throughout every single day of rest and restoration. It is such a great conversation. I hope you'll check that out on Friday. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.